Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I hear and read a lot of things, particularly when it comes to current events. I have always been this way. Uh, Even as a kid, I was the one who knew all about what was happening in the world. (laughs) uh, It it may have started, I don't know, when I was a small boy and my dad took me door to door getting signatures to put a ballot up for a vote on whether or not we wanted to form a new city. You see, we lived in an unincorporated area and the, the city that we were next to, which was Salem, Oregon, was trying to incorporate this area and a lot of the residents didn't want that uh, and they didn't want to pay the the high taxes and things that were coming uh, when when you were a part of Salem and so they actually did form Kaiser Oregon and it was obviously right next door to Salem and and yet the taxes at least at that time were a lot less and you got a lot more bang for your buck so that kind of maybe piqued my interest. I don't know. But I know when I was in elementary school, I didn't go to the state fair to ride the rides as much, even though they were a lot of fun. And yes, I rode a lot of rides. Bumper cars, of course, was my favorite. But but my priority was to debate with the communists at the communist booth. <laughs> I mean, I mean, here was this little kid who would come up, you know, and, and start talking with them and they'd almost dismiss me. But I started asking them some questions that they couldn't answer. And, and I, I, I just had fun being able to stump them because, you know, here they thought they had, they had it all and, uh, and they had it all figured out. And many of them had gone to the Soviet Union and, and thought it was just the best thing since sliced cheese. And yet, yet they couldn't answer just a few, you know, questions from a little kid, you know. Um, in middle school, my social studies teacher would have current event trivia and more times than not i would come away with the winner of that uh later in high school my my interest grew and politics uh became you know more of a focus i would say and it was where i was a part of what was called beaver boys state at that time and and youth legislature we would we'd literally go to the capitol building in salem for a week and and play out a, a mock government, even you know committee meetings and all. And yes, I know it sounds sounds terrible to some, but it was fun, and it was something that was was definitely enlightening, and I and I learned a lot through it. Now I say all of this to convey that I have seen a lot of things in my life, and I've gone from being naive about our political systems to more of a realist, to be honest with you. I I think I understand how people think and why they do things, particularly in the political arena. There are times that I will start a conversation by saying, you know, can you believe that about? And then I try to stop myself when I do that, because I usually can can believe what they're, you know, what they're doing and, and, and what they're saying, because Oftentimes, particularly when it comes to liberals, I, I think I understand kind of their way of thinking. I, 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 I have seen a lot and I, I understand the, the, the route in which they try to take things. 
I, I was preparing my podcast on uh, California uh, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom's recall election, and, and I saw something that I had to bring to you instead. Uh, it is not much of a loss because I can probably sum up my thoughts about, about the recall election and, and about how California you know, voted to keep Newsom by saying this, just saying you, you get what you, what you vote for. It's just that simple. You get what you vote for. If you want sky high taxes, crumbling infrastructure, and you know out of control homeless problem, no water to drink, and a host of other problems that we could you know get into, then go for it. You know, keep him, and and that's what they've they've decided to do. So, you know that that was what we were going to talk about today. But I saw something that I had to address right now because it surprised and alarmed even me. And I think it may you as well. Now, this comes from National Review, and it's entitled, General Milley Should Be Fired for Holding Secret Personal Talks with China. And I think you're going to see it's more than even just that. It starts out here by saying, if we did not already have enough reasons to believe that General Milley, Mark Milley, has no business serving as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Today's blockbuster story in the Washington Post uh, exerted from the Bob Woodward, Robert Costa book, Peril, should confirm this. Any Congress worth worthy of the name in, in a democracy would open an investigation of General Milley and push for his removal. Any president who took his oath seriously would fire him immediately. Here is what Woodward and Costa's report and, and what they are reporting in their book. Apparently from General Milley's own mouth as one of their their principal sources of the book. So it's not just like coming from somebody who knew somebody or whatever. This is literally coming from General Milley. Twice in the final months of the Trump administration, the country's top military officer was so fearful that the president's actions might spark a war with China that he moved urgently to avert armed conflict. In a pair of secret phone calls, General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, with which the Joint Chiefs of Staff is basically one of the top generals usually in the military, and a president will will choose that person to advise him on military matters. I mean, obviously, a president oftentimes is not someone who's been in the military or maybe he has, you know, on a short basis or whatever. But uh, he, he needs someone who, who can advise him on military matters. And that is what the Joint Chiefs of Staff is. He's an advisor to the president. And that's it. Now, like I say, usually it's one of the, uh, like a top general or something, but that he's he, his position as joint chief, joint chiefs of staff is an advisory position. Now, Mark Milley um, assured his Chinese counterpart, General Li Zhongqin of the the People's Liberation Army, that the United States would not strike on one one call that took place on October 30th of 2020, four days before the election. And on another call on January 8th, two days after the the Capitol siege, 
He also called them as well. Millie went so far as to pledge that he would alert his counterpart in the event of a U.S. attack, stressing the rapport they had established through a, a back channel. He said this, quote, General Lee, you and I have known each other for now five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. And in a second call placed to the Chinese um, trying to address their fears about the the event of of January 6th, Lee wasn't really easily assured, is, is what Millie said, even after Millie promised him, quote, we are 100% steady. Everything's fine. But democracy can be a slop, can, can be sloppy sometimes. Now, Lee uh, remained rattled, is what Millie thought. And Millie, who did not rely uh, or relay the, the, the conversation to Trump, understood why. So he, he, he told Lee, he, hey, I understand why you're still rattled. And all this conversation, Millie did not convey any of this to the president. Now, the chairman believed the president was, was, uh, su- had suffered some sort of mental decline after the election. And, and a view, he, th- this view that of, of uh, Trump, he conveyed this to, guess who? Sp- House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, among other Democratic leaders. On January 8th, he agreed with her evaluation that Trump was unstable. So, you know, I mean, Nancy Pelosi had said that on a number of occasions that she thought Trump was unstable. And obviously Millie agreed, believing that China could lash out if it felt at risk from an unpredictable and vengeful American president. And so what happened? Well, Millie took action. The same day he called the Admiral overseeing the U.S. Uh, Indo-Pacific Command, the military unit that's responsible for Asia and you know Pacific, the Pacific region. And he recommended postponing the military exercises there. And the admiral complied. Millie also summoned senior officers to review the procedures for launching nuclear weapons, saying the president alone could, could give the order, but crucially that he, Millie, also had to be involved. So if the president decided to launch a nuclear weapon in some way, he wasn't the the last man to decide that. Millie would be that person. Look, He literally looked each one of these officers in the eye, and he asked these officers to affirm that they understood. And then these authors wrote that, that, they considered this to be an oath, that they were pledging an oath to Millie. Not the United States, not the president. They were pledging an oath to Millie to follow him and no one else. Now, there is no circumstance in which an American military officer should be conducting his own rogue foreign policy without informing the civilian leadership. The civilian leadership being the president and those that are over him. He, he, the president is where the buck stops. He is the one that is in charge of the military. That's the way our founding fathers set it up. That the military wouldn't be in, involved. 
in in the leadership. They, they, in fact, they tried to keep the military as far out of politics as they could. But it was civilian leadership that was head over the military. That that strikes directly at the heart of our of our democratic and constitutional system in which in which the elected president and Congress and the appointees who are chosen by the president and report to him. That, that, that they make a major foreign policy decision without the president involved here. And the military must carry out what the president says. But that's not what's happening here. An, an officer who will not carry out an order has, has an honorable uh, option. He can either resign and go to the public, choosing his moral duty as a citizen over his duty as an officer. But as of that moment, he can no longer serve as an officer. So in other words, he can, he can resign and he can just say, you know what? I can't serve this, this man. I can't serve under these conditions. And I resign my, my services as an officer. A frontline commander might have some leeway around, you know, this, this at some level of detail saying, you know, like, like talking to a, uh, an, an advisory about how to, um, you know, propose or conduct a prisoner exchange or something like that. But if the president decides to convey a particular message to a hostile nation as as a matter of foreign policy, it is never the job of the military brass to override or thwart that. That is the president's choice only. Now, the 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 primacy of of civilian leadership was the the principle in which even Abraham Lincoln command uh, you know countermanded orders by some of his generals that moved faster on freeing slaves than Lincoln could politically manage a, a conflict that actually led to John C Freeman uh, believing uh, being relieved of it, of his command and it is the principle on which Harry Truman uh, more recently uh, properly relieved Douglas MacArthur of his command in Korea. MacArthur wanted to widen the war into a direct conflict with China, which probably was the right decision, but but that wasn't what Truman wanted. And so Truman relieved him of his position because he decided he decided to make his own decisions on foreign policy instead of executing what the president wanted. Now, Woodward and Costa, the authors here, make clear that General Milley knew perfectly well that he was undermining the president's intentions and policies. In discussions about Iran's nuclear program, Trump declined to rule out striking the country, at times even displaying curiosity about the prospect. The CIA director Gina Haspel uh, was so alarmed after a meeting in November that she called Milley to say, this is highly dangerous situation and we are going to lash out for his ego. Now, this is what was, what was written. They, you have Milley and you have others that are, uh, that are, have worked themselves up into a lather. And, and, and so they're, they're now going to try to take action. Now, there is an entirely legitimate case to be made for the United States telling the Chinese government in private not to worry about our attacking them or even 
for the U.S. to cancel some military exercises out of concern that they might, you know, feel threatened or triggered or whatever, right? But there is also a legitimate case for deterring China by strategic ambiguity about our intentions. That that has been the centerpiece of American policy on, on Taiwan, for instance, since like the 1970s. Trump was, was much enamored with Nixon's era's madman theory. Basically what that entitled is that a president might want to appear a bit unstable or dangerous in order to convince hostile foreign nations to, to treat more carefully, you know, uh, tread more carefully around us. And General Milley clearly knew this. He knew that this was kind of a strategy of President Trump, choosing to tell the Chinese that we were bluffing and and, and unilaterally canceling exercises without involving the president. And so, so far as we can tell from, from this excerpt, without involving the State Department or the Secretary of Defense. This is a military seizure of authority that belongs to the president alone. It demands Milley's removal. It also appears from the excerpt that General Milley never considered the possibility that Lee was playing him for information, which again is why these decisions about how to communicate with the Chinese regime and, and, and other foreign leaders should not be made by one general. Don't worry, Woodward and Costa tells us. General Milley is fine, abiding by the, the chain of command when Democrats are involved. Milley, for his part, took what the author describes as, a, um, as an approach to buy, uh, kind of a hands-off approach to the Biden um, administration's handling of Afghanistan in contrast to his earlier efforts when it came to Trump. The book reveals recent remarks the chairman delivered to the Joint Chiefs in which he said, quote, here's a couple of rules of the road here that we're, that we're going to follow. One is you never, ever, ever box in a president of the United States. You always give him decision space. Now, he's referring to Biden as he said that that you're dealing with a seasoned politician here who has been in Washington, D.C. for 50 years, whatever it is. You see, that just makes it worse. As, As does the fact that the major media outlets celebrate a general for undermining a civilian authority. General Milley knew exactly what he was doing. And he is really apparently proud of doing so, that, that, he, that he told Woodward and Costa about it. And he is a proven danger to democratic self-government, and he absolutely must go. Now, the Daily Wire chronicles President Trump's response to these revelations, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, former President Donald Trump tore into General Mark Milley, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he is currently chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, staff for uh, Biden, uh, over a bombshell report that alleged that Milley contacted the Chinese counterpart, his con- uh, Chinese counterpart, to inform him that if Trump ordered an attack, he would warn China in advance. Quote, 
General Lee, I want to assure you that the American government is stable and everything is going to be okay. We're not going to attack or conduct any uh, kinetic operations against you, Melly allegedly said. Now, General Lee, you and I have known each other for five years, and if we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time, and it's not going to be a surprise. Now, Trump responded to the news in a statement writing, if the story of, of dumb donkey, that's <laughs> what he called him, General Mark Milley, this, the same failed leader who engineered the worst withdrawal from a country, Afghanistan, in, the U, in U.S. history, leaving behind many dead and wounded soldiers, many American citizens, and $85 billion worth of the newest and most sophisticated military equipment in the world, and our country's reputation is true, then I assume he would be tried for treason in that he would have been dealing with his Chinese counterpart behind the president's back and telling China that that he would be giving them notification of attack. Can't do that, Trump continued. Quote, the good news is that the story is fake news concocted by a weak and ineffective general together with two authors who I refuse to give an interview to because they write fiction, not fact. Actions should be taken immediately against Milley and better generals uh, in our military, which we have many, he says, should get involved so that another Afghanistan disaster never happens again. Remember, I was the one who took out 100% of ISIS, ISIS caliphate. Milley said it couldn't be done. That, that's directly from Trump. Now, for the record, he said, I never, ever thought of attacking China. And China knows that, Trump concluded. The people that fabricated the story are sick and demented, and the people who print it are just bad. In fact, I'm the only president in decades who didn't get the U.S. into a war, a well-known fact that is seldom reported. A former uh, senior U.S. official slammed um, uh, Milley in a statement to the Washington Post saying that it was dangerous for Mark Milley to be doing freelance diplomacy on China without involving any of the other senior officials dealing with China at the time. Now, Milley was, was making these phone calls at a time when the U.S. government was in the middle of a very complicated discussion about actions from China. If you remember, this was the time when we were looking into where the virus had started and, and how could we, you know, investigate and China was not letting us do that. And there, and and there was a lot of, a lot of real tensions when it came to, to China, and, and, and rightfully so. And here's Milley going behind Trump's back to do this. Now, the official continues, the risk is Milley could have caused the Chinese to uh, miscalculate and make some sort of diplomatic, economic, or military action with far-ranging consequences, because he was giving the wrong signal, having no understanding of the conflict in which he was making the call. Now, Milley's response to this, and it took him a while, uh, General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, re responded uh, through a spokesman, actually. He, did, he actually didn't respond himself, but he responded through a spokesman on Wednesday to the bombshell report that he was um, you know that was published this week, alleging that he told the Chinese counterpart that he would 
warn the Chinese military if uh, if President Trump ordered a strike against China. This is what Milley said, or his spokesman anyway. He said, quote, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs regularly communicates with the chiefs of defense across the world, including with China and Russia. The statement said, these conversations remain vital to improving mutual understanding of U.S. national security interests and reducing tensions, providing clarity, and avoiding unintended consequences or conflict. His calls with the Chinese and others in October and January were in keeping with these duties and responsibilities, conveying reassurance in order to uh, maintain strategic stability. All calls from the chairman to his counterparts, including those reported, are staffed, coordinated, and communicated with the Department of Defense and interagency. Also, in keeping with this, with his responsibilities as senior military advisor to the president and secretary of defense, Milley frequently conducted meetings with informed leaders across the services to ensure all leaders are aware of current issues. The meeting regarding nuclear weapons protocols was to remind uninformed leaders, <laughs> uninformed leaders in the Pentagon of the last of the long established and robust procedures in light of media reporting on the subject. Now, a couple, just a couple of things here before we end. If his response here is unbelievable. And basically what he's saying is that he took it upon himself to do these things. He didn't even say that he talked to the president. He, he just did it because he thinks it's going to stabilize things around the world. That's not his call. That is not his job. It is not in his job description. And to do that is going way out of bounds. And it is definitely undermining the president of the United States. It's undermining our reputation around the world. And it is just not something that can be done. To, to say that, oh, this is just normal procedure, is, is so far out of bounds. It, that, that's, it's just a lie. Because if that was normal procedure, then he would have told the president that he had done that. And he didn't do that. And to say that he was, he was talking to his, his leaders that might be uninformed about how procedures go when it comes to the protocols of nuclear weapons, <laughs> everybody knows the chain of command when it comes to nuclear weapons. Everybody knows that it's the president that carries the football around and, it, and, and he has the launch codes. Everybody knows it's his call. And to say that uninformed leaders needed to uh, be uh, brought up to speed with protocol is just absolutely ridiculous. That th- this, is a, this is a totally ridiculous statement. General Milley continues to act and, and, and advise within his authority in, a, in, in the lawful tradition of civ- civilian control and of military and his oath to the Constitution is what this ends with. And, 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 and that, that's just flat out nonsense because this is not in maintaining his oath to the Constitution or anything else. If we let this kind of action go unpunished, 
there will be dire consequences not that far down into the future. This, this was just the very tip of what you could call a military coup. Because our founding fathers set up a system where the military did not have this kind of authority. And Millie is taking it, taking that kind of authority into his own hands. And he did so behind the, the, the president, duly elected, by the way, president. And that needs to be punished. You may agree and you may disagree. And I would definitely love to hear from you on it. You can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.